You can be seated. Our God is indeed worthy. He is worthy of all worship and honor and praise. Well, I have the distinct privilege in this moment to introduce you to our preacher for this morning. I want to introduce you to our preacher not because he needs an introduction, but because I think he deserves one. Pastor Ken Von Gotten is a precious gift from our God. He is a unique combination of toughness and tenderness. A man who has endured so much, and yet a man who has been softened by suffering instead of hardened. Ken has been married to Debbie for 45 years. They have two kids and four grandkids, some of which are here today. Ken has been a member of this church for over 42 years. He's been a pastor here for the past six years. In fact, when this church transitioned to having lay elders about six years ago, Ken was the most obvious choice imaginable. He is the picture of what a pastor shepherd looks like. And over these past six years, I've had the distinct privilege of having a front row seat to see this man's constant labor and prayer for this church that he loves so much. I've cried with this man, fought beside him, seen him care well for this church that he loves with all his heart. Really, Ken's wisdom and patience and selflessness have made this a better church and have made me a better pastor. Ken's term as an elder of this church will end at the end of this year, 2023. I'm hoping and praying that after he takes some time off, he'll be strong and healthy enough to spend another six years as an elder here at this church. But we all know that life is uncertain, and we all know that Ken is fighting stage four cancer. Ken volunteered to preach on this Sunday, July 9th, before he was ever even diagnosed with this cancer before the emergency room visits, before the hospital stays, before the procedures. He volunteered to preach on this Sunday, and we, we doubted whether this would happen. We had a whole uh, email and text thread. We talked about this at meetings. What are we going to do with July 9th? Ken's supposed to preach on July 9th. What are we going to do? We had all of these backup plans, and yet here we are this morning, and I am so grateful to be here and that Ken is able and strong enough to stand here and teach from God's word from 1 Corinthians 13. I counted an awesome gift, not only to know this man, to be friends with him, to be part of the same family with him, but I count it to such an honor to be a fellow pastor with him. He loves you, church, so much, has loved us well for these past six years, and I am looking forward to learning from God's word right now, but I'm also looking forward to learning so much from this man about how to suffer well, about how to finish well, about how to face death and dying and suffering with all the grace and love and mercy that God gives us in these days. Ken, we love you. Your precious gift to us. Debbie, we love you. We thank God for you. We're looking forward to learning from you, Ken, this morning. Debbie's going to come now and read 1 Corinthians 13 before Ken comes. Good morning. 
Our scripture reading for today is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I have nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I have nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. As, uh, excuse me, as uh, Jason mentioned earlier, uh, as of June, June 25th, Debbie and I have been married for 45 years, and uh, I praise the Lord for her. In the spring of 1980, Debbie and I selected 1 Corinthians 13 to be read in our wedding service. And it's, a, it's pretty popular to have that done. Um, it's such a great time to talk about the value of love. However, God in his infinite mercy has spent the past 45 years teaching Debbie and me that this chapter is not just about a man's love for his wife or a wife or her husband. But it's, it's greater. It's far beyond that. It's something that we cannot even, we can't even understand, especially for Debbie and me when we first got married. We didn't, we didn't understand what that love was. That love was God's love and the love of Christ that was shed for us. And so 
we've ho hopefully been slowly but surely learning. And I do hope and pray that that's uh, something that you are doing, especially for you who are married, uh, that you continue to learn not about your own ability to love, but about Christ's love for you. Allowing the love of Jesus to change us and help us grow means giving up a lot of earthly things for something that's so much better, but it's not easy. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul shared some different ways that Christians could either use their spiritual gifts to serve God, but he closed this section with the following statement in verse 31, and I will show you a still more excellent way. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you help us to understand slowly but surely as we live our lives as Christians more and more about what true love really is, that it's not just us. It's not our own powers. It's not our own abilities, but it's actually all about dying to self and allowing you to live and to love through us. So, Lord, we pray you'll guide and direct us in doing that this, this morning. Amen. First off, we want to talk about uh, the first set of verses, verses 1 through 3. Love is hard. They give us a list of wonderful spiritual gifts and talents, which when used properly can honor God and further the kingdom. However, if they're used without love, nothing is accomplished of value. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but not, have not love, don't you want to be this, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, guess what? I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and, and this was when really gets me here, and if I deliver up my body to be, bur to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. So even to sacrifice your own life without love means nothing. And add to this list, if I volunteer to serve as a church elder and have not love, I will come across as important and spiritual and strong in faith, but be worse than worthless in the kingdom of God. As Justin mentioned earlier, this is my sixth year as an elder at Miller Heights. And uh, we began the practice of having elders in January of 2018. It was exciting uh, because previously in the, uh, gosh, I have to add it up right quick, but in like 30 something years of Debbie and me being at this church, we'd always had the preacher and the deacon preacher and the deacon and you know there was a time when the preacher basically had to please the deacons 
if it, things were going to go well. And you look at the, Old, the New Testament, the beginnings of the church, that's not the way it was done. The deacons were there to serve, and they had elders or pastors who worked together as a team to teach the church and to help the Christian family to grow in Christ. And so this was exciting, but it was a change. And uh, we did, went from, gosh, I think over a year, maybe a year and a half or more, uh, teaching the church family about this whole process and finally getting buy-in. And so we started it. And uh, having elders seemed to be the right thing to do, but we prayed a lot about this, how it would work out. Do men serve as elders, elders for status, for recognition, for power, for special benefits? Or do men serve as elders because of the love of Christ? In the past six years, those who have served as elders at Miller Heights Church have experienced the following. We're going to talk about some experiences, about this uh, status and recognition and power and special benefits. One elder and his wife longed to have a child and they were finally blessed uh, with a child on the way and they prepared for him and were so excited and then he came way too early. And, and the doctors did whatever they could to try to save him uh, but after one day of life on this earth, uh, he died. The elder and his wife lost their first child. And to add to this, not too long afterwards, uh, the same elder got a call from a, somebody that his dad had disappeared. They didn't know where he was. Uh, I believe this was in New Mexico. And uh, so they, uh, he and some of his family and friends went to look for him. And not long after beginning the search, uh, he found his dad deceased. He lost a son and a dad. A second elder developed cancer and was hospitalized for an extended period of time and for reasons still not fully understood, he and his wife left the church. A third elder and his wife experienced the side effects of dealing with a serious case of COVID. He was hospitalized and quarantined, even from his wife and kids, for several weeks. There was a question, there was a question as to whether he would survive as his lungs were so damaged he had to pl be placed on oxygen. Once he made it through the worst of the COVID, doctors still warned the couple that he might have to be on oxygen for the rest of his life. His wife took all this in while working full time to support the family and care for their two small children. And for several months, he carried a small oxygen bottle around with him. And, uh, but he's not doing that now, praise the Lord. 
a fourth elder who had been an athlete in school and even coached his children in sports was suddenly attacked by an illness that damaged his pancreas severely. He was also hospitalized a long period of time in serious condition. The doctors were unsure about his long-term prognosis. For that matter, they're still not totally sure. His wife had to not only continue caring for their three children, but she also played a vital role in being the elders coach and cheerleader. And uh, as he suffered great pain and wondered if he was going to live through the disease, he did survive, but now has to face the fact that he is a diabetic for the rest of his life. Then a fifth elder developed cancer, and he and his wife are currently going through that situation, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And then we added our sixth elder, Mike. I'm so glad that Mike and Carla uh, volunteered to serve, and uh, we're just so tickled to have them on board. And uh, just to make sure, Mike, uh, you were warned about this, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway. Uh, the, the thing that next we want to look at at is what real love is like, and that's in verses 4 through 8a. And I appreciate yeah. Debbie reading this for us. In times like these, situations that our elders have been going, going through, we need strength, but our own is not enough. Where is the power to help us deal with life-altering or life-threatening events? Verses 4 through 8 go to the source of our strength. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. What kind of love is this? You know, you remember earlier I said that when Debbie and I first got married, we wanted this red at our wedding because... I wanted that love, you know, uh, especially the kind of love that said, my wife's going to love me enough. She's going to do the dishes and cook good food, and uh, she's going to do whatever I desire, you know, to make this a happy home and be willing to raise our children. And I just had all these great ideas about love. But God has taught us over the years that when you seek a kind of love that's self-centered, you're off track. You're wrong. Because God desires for us to not seek our own kind of love, but he has a perfect love. And that's what we desire. You may say, how do these verses apply to the life-altering issues that I mentioned earlier with these uh, elders? But love, God's love, the love expressed through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
The love from the Holy Spirit is what makes the difference. Nothing can match the power of this kind of love. When I talked earlier about the elders of our church family, I pointed out how every elder who has served for a year or more has gone through serious struggle. Remember that elders sign up as shepherds to help guide sheep, and that means loving all members. With patience and kindness, it means having a kind of love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And this does not come easily. Even as we have gone through these struggles, there are some, and I'm going to call it sheep because I'm a sheep too, you know. But some of us sheep have tempers. Uh, we tend to think that we're smarter than anybody else, if, if you think a sheep is smarter than anything. Uh, but we, we have this idea that, that we know how to solve this problem. And we have had many people who have joined our church family for a short time, but they knew what would fix our problem. And so that's what they pushed for. And when the elders prayed about it and didn't feel like it was the time to do that yet, they got angry, they talked to other people. Anyway, we had several situations like that where we desired as elders for prayer from our sheep that we would make wise decisions. And sometimes we got anger and disagreement. But you know what? When the elders meet, one thing I have learned through this process, when we meet, we don't talk about how bad that person is or how mean so-and-so is or how wrong they are. We pray for them, and we pray about the situation out of love. And we are hurt. And the hurt that Jason or Justin, I mean, goes through or Jagar or Landis, or, you know, any of us, that anybody that's hurting about a situation, we all feel that hurt. So, we need your help. We need to all show the love of Christ, to love each other. Anyway, that's what I learned about being an elder. Okay, so... Uh, Right quick, you know, that fifth elder that I mentioned that uh, had the cancer stuff and, uh, you know, he, he thought he'd already had three rounds of cancer in his life and he thought, you know, I think I've had enough. So, you know, three is kind of a nice round number and bless their hearts, all these other elders have, everybody that's been there for more than a year has had some type of uh, disease or a horrible uh, personal situation to go through, I think I'm going to make it. I was wrong. So, uh, and actually, not just for me, me personally, but first of all, in October of last uh, year, our, our daughter, uh, Deanna, who tickled that she's here this morning with Jake, and um, they uh, found out that she had cancer. 
she had breast cancer, and uh, she also, she, she blamed me for the longest, because I had all these cancers and stuff. She just knew, yes, from dad, you know, and, uh, but she did find out she had a genetic mutation that actually kind of caused her to be able to develop cancers in all kinds of places without seemingly being related. So she's been through uh, chemo, she's been through two surgeries, and now she's right in the middle of radiation. And uh, so we, Debbie and I thought, this is hard. This, we, we hurt for her and we tried to help when we could. But as my daughter says, uh, sometimes her dad is, uh, fights for attention. And so, uh, <laughs> she, so in March of this year, I wound up having a seizure. And uh, they, you know, we went into the ER and they couldn't quite figure out what was going on. They did, I think they did a brain scan and you know, I always tell people being an Aggie, there was nothing there, you know. <laughs> But uh, <clears throat> I just, uh, you know, we went home with some medications and thought, well, maybe this is going to be okay and I won't have any more seizures. Um, but things didn't seem like they felt right. So in mid-April, uh, I was having a hard time breathing and stuff. So anyway, we, we went back into the hospital, wound up in the ER again. They did an echocardiogram and they found out uh, that I had fluid around my heart and so they drained that fluid and uh, wound up in the hospital for several days thought well maybe it'll be okay but then they said you know but we've got some heart issues uh, some lung issues too the left lung it's got a lot of fluid on it and uh, make all this short because I don't want to overdo this you know but we we had uh, one of the trips where we were in the ER uh, the uh, oncologist and a couple of his staff members came into our room and uh, he sat down and, and he looked me in the eye and he said, I'm not going to sugar sugarcoat it. Uh, you have stage four um, metastatic melanoma and we it is not curable. And of course, I kind of hung up on that, you know, the not curable. But he said, but it, we hope it can be treatable. And so found out about infusions, uh, uh, the, um, Debbie, what's that name? Immunotherapy infusions. And so unlike chemo, where they put you in that, and it just attacks your body, attacks the, and you hope that it kills out the cancer before it kills you. Well, with this infusion, it's helping the body to actually fight the disease, too. So uh, we have had the third treatment uh, Friday a week ago, and uh, a little bit tired and everything, you know, but uh, through the different types of uh, drainings from the heart and the lungs, uh, I can breathe better. And, and the uh, infusions have shrunk some of the melanomas that are in, inside my lung so that instead of having a pipe this big but it, uh, a growth in it about this big that blocks your air, uh, there's 
just having more room for me to breathe. So I praise the Lord for that. Um, but Debbie and I have had to do a lot of things that we didn't think we'd have to be dealing with. Debbie has been wonderful. I still have a tube right here in my left lung that uh, it was once a day and then it was every two days. Now it's every three days and we're hoping it's to the point now that we won't have to do anymore and take the tube out. But bless her heart, Debbie had to go in and drain fluid out of my lung so that I could breathe. And uh, she is a, she's a special lady. I'm, I am blessed. Um, the last section that we want to look at, when will we have this perfect love? Verses 8b through 13, where it says, as for prophecies, they will pass away, as for tongues will cease, as for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. It talks about all these things that, you know, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, and then I became a man, and I kind of grew out of that. But it talks then about, too, that we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And a big part of being a Christian and part of our family here, and uh, Debbie and I, over the years, have grown to love y'all so much, but, but not just y'all. Um, we've learned that when a, a new person walks in the door, God wants us to love them too. And we learn, we have learned more about what true love is. It's not something we're capable of. It's something God is capable of. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And when you look at those, they're all wonderful, they're all great. Uh, faith, it says in Hebrews 11 and 1, <clears throat> now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's true. But you know, when we die and we're in heaven, we won't need faith anymore. It'll be, it'll be done. We'll be there. And hope, in Romans 8, 24, it says, for in this hope we were saved. When we're there, hope won't be needed anymore. But the last part of this verse, the, but the greatest of these is love. Does God's love stop when we go to heaven? It is forever. Uh, in a song we sang just before Debbie read the scripture, the words of the third verse spoke volumes to me about this message what, and what it's all about. So as I read these four lines, uh, if you believe them in your heart, I'd like you to say them with gusto, you know, and it's basically, he does. Does the Father truly love us? Yes. Does the Spirit move among us? Yes. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those he loves? Yes. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Yes. Yes. Amen. Um, life is hard. 
the problems of this world can cause us to doubt the love that has been promised. And facing my fourth cancer, being told it's not curable, going through the challenges of having fluid build up on my lungs and heart, discovering cancer on other, other organs, and infected lymph nodes throughout my body, no idea of how long I have to live. There are many who would cry out to God saying it's not fair. Why can't this happen to somebody else? But you know what? Debbie and I have experienced so many blessings. Even through this process of learning about my cancer. And sometimes, it's hard to explain it, but you know, there are some people who, when they're in the hospital, and the, cancer, the, the nurse does not do everything you want them to do, They'll tell you about it later, you know, or they may even tell the nurse, you know, well, I needed this, or I needed that, or why aren't you doing, and, and there may be a technician that comes in to make an adjustment on something. What we, we have found is there, there are choices we make in life. Are we angry? Are we, I don't know, the, all the words don't come to mind right now. Or are we joyful? Do we rely on our own self and our own needs? Or do we depend on Christ to live through us? And when you talk with these people and you love them, it's, it's amazing how God lets you feel. It, it changes the way... Your, what you're experiencing in, the, in that hospital, in that bed that's not real comfortable, and uh, and when they've got all these patches all over your chest and everything, I was so proud when I was a junior, junior in high school. I could grow a complete beard. Uh, they had a, a big deal. It was a, a hundredth anniversary of Rockdale High, Rockdale uh, City of Rockdale, and uh, they allowed us to grow beards and wear old straw hats and everything. And I uh, was so proud of what chest hair I had on me. <laughs> Debbie and I, part of what we've had to do through the doctors we've seen is to see palliative care. <clears throat> and they actually look at different things that you want to look at preparing just in case I don't live very long. And there are different uh, agreements that you you know, have to do, or, or you ought to do. And uh, I was trying to remember, I know I had it down here, uh, they had like the medical power of attorney, the living will, and the DNR. And that's kind of scary, but that's the do not resuscitate. But <clears throat> considering this other issue I was having, Debbie did recommend the other day, maybe I should see about get, getting a DNT agreement, do not tape. Uh, oh. <clears throat> so anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, after 45 years of struggling and growing slowly, but surely, together with Debbie um, and with my children, Deanna and Matthew, and their spouses, having four grandchildren that 
touch our hearts. Uh, so glad to have Judah and Joanna here this morning. I've seen God work miracles in our lives, show unending love, and provide constant reminders of the great love he has for us. And there's one thing that I can honestly say from deep in my heart. You know, people talk about how hard it is and unfair, and maybe sometimes life does seem unfair. But there's a saying, and I'll just, I'm just going to repeat it, but it's not because I think I am so great and I am so powerful and whatever. Life is hard, and we don't know what's ahead. But I wouldn't trade places with anyone in the world. Let's pray. Lord, because of your great love for us, Please help us to remember what being a Christian is all about. Lord, help us to remember in the life we live that we really, as Christians, have no right to complain or to look down on people. Lord, we are to lift people up. We are to love with not our only love, own love, but the love of Christ. Thank you so much, Lord, that in these 43, almost 43 years that Debbie and I have been at this church with this family, that you've helped us to learn more about Jesus and about your great love. And thank you for giving us the opportunity even now to continue to love others. Thank you for each moment, each breath. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Together.